This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of September 21st, 2015, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 244 of Defender Radio. We're another week closer to the general election in Canada, and the rhetoric is flying fast and furious. But despite the ongoing coverage of the election, subjects relating to the environment, and particularly to wildlife, have been somewhere between minimal and non-existent. Does this mean that wildlife and the environment aren't going to be campaign issues, or that the electorate doesn't care? It's quite the opposite, according to some new polling released last week by the International Fund for Animal Welfare, or IFA. The data was released in conjunction with IFA's election website, which helps voters identify their local candidates' views on wildlife and the environment. To share more with us about this program and what Canadians had to say about wildlife and the 2015 election, we were joined by IFA's Cheryl Fink. Director of Canadian Wildlife Issues. IFA has launched um, a, a an election website um, that uh, helps people find out what their candidates have to say about certain issues. So, can you uh, explain a bit about you know why IFA decided to go in this direction in terms of uh, uh, building out this web program? Yeah, what we're trying to do essentially is to make candidates aware that a huge number of Canadians care about animal issues. You know, when we talk about the federal election and election issues, animal welfare and animal protection is rarely top of mind. It's not what people think of. Um, but we wanted to remind the candidates that there's a, a huge number of Canadians that do care about animal issues and we want to elect candidates. Uh, we want to elect members of parliament that are going to take animal issues seriously. So we've created this website. This is the second election actually where we've tried to do something like this. Um, and earlier in the year we sent sort of a questionnaire to all of the candidates and incumbents that, that we knew at the time asking them their position on five animal welfare, animal protection issues. And when we've taken their responses and put them into this online database. So it's very easy now for Canadians, for the voting public to go to this website, punch in your postal code. It will come up with the list of candidates in your riding. If your candidate has answered our questions, it will give the, the, the answers that have been provided. And if they haven't answered uh, for a particular candidate, you can send them a reminder saying, I would like to know where you stand on these important animal issues. So either way, if they've answered or not, they get a little bit of a, a reminder that animal issues are important to their voters in the election. And um, once once you've done that, sent a message to your candidate, it also gives you the opportunity to volunteer for your preferred candidate, which we know um, is, is a great way to help get animal-friendly members of parliament elected. So it's um, it's a new tool. We're getting pretty good response, actually, from the candidates who've, who've replied to the questionnaire, and it's still growing day by day. Not uh, all of the candidates haven't even been announced yet, so it's it's still a work in process, but we're very excited about it. Yeah, I certainly uh, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I was able to go in and, and literally you type in your postal code, which you can find on your cable bill or at the Canada Post website. Um, it automatically pops up with all of the candidates, so the primary candidates in my riding. Um, I don't think the cons- the uh, the Communist Party was represented on this list, but I'm not sure if we have a candidate there anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, anyways, but it, it shows it's the name, party, the riding, and, um, you know, it, it's got the nice little message to 
remind them, I want to know what you have to think. And the, the other thing that's great about it, though, is it because you have to put in your information at the bottom of this, it tells that candidate that, yes, I live in this riding. And yes, I intend to vote. Um, like, how frequently do you think some of these candidates may not be taking some of these issues seriously? Because, yeah, they hear about it, but it's not from people who may or may not be electing them. Exactly. And this is the most, you know, in the in the run up to an election is the most important time when they are paying attention to what voters in their writing think and what they have to say. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really critical time to make your views known to the candidates. And you know, if, if they get elected, then that will be in their mind. They'll remember these are the people who voted for me because of my position on animal protection. Absolutely. And uh, let, let's talk about the survey that was just uh, just released a day or two ago. I know you had been talking about getting ready for this. Um, so what was the purpose of the survey you did and what did you learn? Well, the survey kind of goes hand in hand with the election tool. We wanted to have something, you know, further proof for our candidates to to show them that animal issues do matter during an election. And we were we were pleasantly surprised. Um we did con- we conducted it with Environics Research Group back in June uh across Canada omnibus survey. And I think even I was a little surprised that a majority of Canadians said that animal protection issues would make a difference in how they cast their ballot on election day. And I think, I, you know, I honestly, I know that a lot of Canadians care about it, but I was surprised that the majority said, yes, this is an issue that matters during the election for me. So we're very, very, very pleased with that. Yeah, and, um, you know, obviously one of the big things that was talked about was the commercial seal hunt. Uh, this, this has just been through another round of EU conversations, um, and it came up on the side of the seals, uh, which is good news. But at this time, it doesn't sound necessarily like the government's going to walk away from the issue. No, and I think th- this is the message that is particularly difficult, I think, to get across in Ottawa. Um, as you say, just last week, there was another round of votes on the revised European ban on seal products, which passed. So I think we need to get to this point of acceptance that that European ban is here to stay. It's not going away anywhere. I think there's been a lot of sort of hope over the past four years, first with the World Trade Organization challenge and, you know, trying to get it overturned and maybe this will make a difference, but it's not going away. It's here to stay. The 2015 seal hunt was the lowest in recent memory in terms of the number of seals killed and the the earnings made by sealers. So essentially, I mean, this this industry is not something that's going to come back in a big way. It's not something that is going to provide economic opportunities for fishermen and rural communities. And our position has always been that if we took the money that we're currently using to try to keep the seal hunt alive and instead invested that in other opportunities, we would be helping more people. We would be putting money directly into the pockets of sealers and fishermen to help them economically, whereas right now it's going into the pockets of lobbyists, legal teams, um, you know, seal for processors. It's not going to the people who actually need it. And I think, you know, there's a bit of a misconception, well, we need to support these fishermen. We're not helping them at all. And that realization is starting to sink in, I think, in Newfoundland anyways. Um, it's not really sinking in in Ottawa yet. But uh, as, as we say, like the the polling found that even across Canada, most people would conti- would prefer that uh, federal support for the commercial seal hunt be stopped. And, you know, if this is an industry that can't survive on its own, um, how how long are we going to keep supporting it financially and bailing it out? We've seen financial bailouts for the past uh, four out of, sorry, three out of four years, um, millions of dollars to try to bail out the industry, and we're in the worst shape ever. And, and it really comes down to the fact that people around the world don't want the product. And I think that's what a lot of folks don't seem to get when this conversation happens, is it's not 
the government uh, trying to block this from happening. It's that member states of the EU and other nations around the world have said, no, we don't support this. No, they, I mean, they're not necessary. I think people are more and more aware of the cruelty that happens at the seal hunt. But when it comes down to it, no one needs seal fur products. I mean, you can talk about the horse and buggy manufacturers when the automobile came onto the market. I mean, how many how many years are we going to continue to fight this before we recognize that times change and seal products are not the necessity that they were 100 years ago? Yeah, and one of the things I found interesting, um, and this to me is always... One of the things I think should be asked more in polling, and you have done it, um, and one of the things I think I, I am personally always kind of surprised by, um, that a large majority, so 84%, uh, support regulatory changes that would require commercial seal hunters to land both the pelts and the meat. That's something I think a lot of people don't understand uh, and simply maybe don't know. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's this misconception again that it's a when the, during the seal hunt that the meat is used that it's a full use hunt. And then I think it's also important to distinguish here between the East Coast commercial hunt and the Inuit subsistence hunt, which takes place in the North. The Inuit hunt they they do eat the meat from the animals and they sell the skins as a secondary product. So, and that's not really what groups like IFA are campaigning against. We're more concerned about the commercial seal hunt, which is the slaughter of wildlife to sell their skins for profit. Um, statistics from DFO show that over 90% of the meat, usable meat from these animals is just being left to, to rot or to waste on the ice. And I think when people hear about that, it's something that um, really does sort of trigger a response, again, even in, in Newfoundland, because you wouldn't, this is not a, a behavior that would be tolerated in any other sort of wildlife hunt. You can't hunt a moose or deer and just leave the meat to rot in the bush. You, you get charged for that. So why is it being allowed and in fact encouraged in the commercial seal hunt? It's, um, it's high grading essentially, just killing wildlife to take one high value part and leaving the rest, which most Canadians find highly unacceptable. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. First, they tear a hole in your roof. Then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control. We'll humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at GatesWildlifeControl.com or call 416-750-9453. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America's song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing keystone species. Beaver dams help clean water, promote songbird diversity, encourage fish populations, and create better soil and a cleaner environment. Beavers are good for Canada, but will we be good to them? Find out more at FurBearerDefenders.com and give a damn about beavers. This is Defender Radio. 
we're back with more about election 2015 with IFAS Cheryl Fink. CITES, um, the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species. This is something I don't think necessarily people outside of the wildlife advocacy, science, policy world know about. Um, but it is the international agreement to not transport certain items or certain species due to their uh, status uh, of endangered or at risk and so on. Um, and this is something IFA has been campaigning about in the last couple of years. And you and I spoke about this in a past episode. And I, I am frankly still shocked at some of the information here. But your poll also uh, uh, indicated that 95% uh, of Canadians support the, the, uh, the idea that the government needs to live up to its international obligations. Um, so why don't we start? What is CITES and how is Canada not living up to it currently? Oh, well, as you said, CITES is an international treaty that regulates the trade and endangered species. Canada is a member. Um, but what we, where we ran into trouble this past year in particular is Canada was delaying for an excessively long period, we feel. And I think a lot of people in the conservation community felt that Canada was taking an unacceptably long period of time to update our domestic legislation to reflect the changes that were being made at these international meetings of CITES. So when species are added to the endangered list at CITES, Appendix 1 it's called, um, or whatever appendix they'd be put on given greater degrees of protection, Canada must then update our own domestic legislation to bring it in line with our with the international agreement. And that's supposed to be done within 90 days after the, uh, the meeting of the parties. And Canada took almost two years last time. Now I understand that, you know, bureaucratic wheels can move slowly sometimes and there's political reasons and we're, this is something we're going to be working, uh, working with Environment Canada and this year and to try to get that process sped up so that Canada can update our domestic legislation. As we've seen here, there's a very high level of public support for Canada to live up to its commitments to protect endangered species. And I think this is something that we can achieve in the next year. And the polling further shows that 93% of Canadians think we need to do more to protect species at risk. 88% they say they want the government to close loopholes to stop endangered species from being transported. Uh, the 95% to live up to CITES, that's 95% in anything is, is almost unheard of. And 87% of Canadians say they want to see a ban on international trade in polar bear parts. But you and I today, we, we were just talking about this a couple of hours ago. The Conservative government, or I'm sorry, the Conservative Party, uh, which wants to become the government again, has said they're going to increase support for hunters. And it was particularly focused on uh, uh, foreign hunters, um, so effectively Americans coming into Canada's north. Um, and obviously polar bears uh, and some of our other northern species are, are part of this. Why is Why are political parties pandering to some of these special interest groups when we've got as many as 95 to uh, like i i 95 i don't think i've ever actually said that before in terms of support <laughs> for something but like when there is such a clear mandate from the public to protect these animals uh, and to stop some of these activities absolutely and i think it's it's clear during this election that the conservatives are focusing on what they believe to be their their core supporters, um, and as you say, it does not reflect the majority of Canadians 
by by any means by focusing on the the hunting and fishing fraternity and i don't know that it actually adequately reflects uh the views of many conservatives i know there are a lot of conservative voters or previous conservative voters that are compassionate about animals that care about animal welfare and care about uh, wildlife protection and this you know this focus on the economy and this idea that seems to be coming up now that we need to we need to kill wildlife because it's good for the economy or we need to increase hunting we need to bring in more trophy hunters we need to you know we need to kill animals because it's good for the economy this idea is i mean it's got to go <laughs> there's there's a lot of things that would be good for the economy but it doesn't mean it's right or that we should be doing them we need to think a, a little bit beyond that and it's, we need to think about pr- protecting wildlife for future generations and, and frankly it's it's a bit surprising uh that in the wake of Cecil the lion in the wake of the the bear in Yellowstone in the wake of the bear video from possibly British Columbia that any political party would say we need more of this uh, with, with this yeah. ridiculous public outlash over these things but that's why you and I perhaps are not in control of the government <laughs> of course until yeah. our coup takes place but we're not talking yeah. about that publicly yet um, now it, the the website IFOS created is is lovely. I love it. I love the little uh, intro video. Um, I think I watched that eighteen times in a row. Uh, there there may have been whiskey involved, but nonetheless, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, and it, it's a great tool for people to find out to to either engage their candidates or find out where their candidates sit. But a lot of people constantly say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I vote for. They're all the same. It doesn't matter. They're just lying. So. Why is it important that people get out and vote? Why is it like, regardless of their attitudes about politicians or individuals, uh, does that need to to express themselves with a vote outweigh any cynicism or, or, or jaded beliefs about politics? I think it absolutely matters. And in fact, if you, if you don't vote, you really can't complain. <laughs> you know, you have, everyone has to get out and vote, particularly, I mean, every election, but this election particularly. Get out and vote and let your candidates know how you feel about animal issues. I think those are the two most important things. And, you know, maybe let all of the candidates know in your writing that you care about animal issues because one of them is going to get elected and they're going to remember that they heard from one of their voters. They don't know how you voted at the end of the day or not, but they're going to remember that they heard about you and that animal issues were important in their writing. To learn more about IFA or check out their election website, visit ifaw.org. That's the show for this week. I'd like to thank Cheryl for sharing her time, as well as Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control for his ongoing support of this program. Until next time, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.